Today's reading is the chapter in Daniel, chapter 5, and you can find it on page 890 of the Pew Bibles. So, Daniel, chapter 5, the writing on the wall. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this message and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom, like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, uh, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will make, be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your Majesty, the Most High God gave, you your, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. 
and those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel parsin. Here is what these words mean. Mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. This is the word of the Lord. There are times when images and objects give messages that are much more powerful than words on their own. In April of this year, a bold sculpture called Seated by an American artist called Shabalala Self was installed by the seafront at the Delaware Pavilion in Bexhill. Here you can see it. It's a large sculpture of a black woman seated and she's gazing out to sea. And the, arti the artist says of it, Taking a seat is a universal act of leisure and calm. I wanted to create a, monu a monumental sculpture for the public that spoke of this simple joy. The woman is strong and beautiful and self-possessed. She represents all individuals, and women in particular, who understand the power and importance of simple gestures that assert their right to take up space. Well, just a month after that sculpture was installed, it was spray-painted white by vandals. The sculpture said that something as relatively innocuous as a sculpture of a woman in a sundress sitting on a chair, that something like that can provoke this level of rage and animosity is, in my opinion, solely because the woman is black. The immediate response of those who commissioned the now vandalised sculpture was to cover it up and to surround it with metal fencing so people couldn't see what, has what had happened. And what happened next is extraordinary. Shabalala Self asked the museum to uncover the sculpture so that everyone could absorb what had happened. Then she invited people in the community of Bexhill to come and restore it. So, the next Sunday, on the 22nd of May this year, 300 people queued up to clean off the white paint. And you can hear someone scrubbing away with uh, rubber gloves on. 
After some professional restoration, the sculpture was back on display for all to see last Saturday. This story is about far more than just cleaning some white paint off a statue. Many people in Bexhill were upset by this act of vandalism. And there's an underlying tension because Bexhill is among government plans to use a former prison to house asylum seekers there, which has raised a lot of objection. And by inviting local people to restore the sculpture, they had a chance to demonstrate the total rejection of racism and vandalism. And by doing something physical and positive that resulted in a wrong being set aside. At one level, seated is just a work of art, but it also represents human values, the right of every person to be who they are, to hold their place in society, and to be who God has created them to be. The reading we've just heard from Daniel 5 is also one that speaks powerfully about objects. It speaks of vandalism and of art in the form of the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall is a phrase so common to us that most people nowadays in society wouldn't make that connection to Daniel 5. We don't need the rest of the story to know that it means that the end is near or we can see something catastrophic about to happen. And King Belshazzar clearly had a sense of foreboding about that writing when it appeared on the wall during the banquet. And he called in Daniel to uh, interpret, so frightened his legs were weak and he was, his knees were knocking. And this is unsurprising because he knew the fate of his father Nebuchadnezzar, who had called on Daniel to interpret his dream and Daniel had warned him he'd lose his kingdom. It happened. He was thrown out into the wilderness. And in the end, though, his kingdom was restored to him, but only after he had turned to God and recognised God's eternal power and authority. However frightening the prospect of interpreting the writing on the wall, Belshazzar knew he couldn't ignore this cryptic message, although no one not even his wisest advisers could work out what it meant. The extent of Belshazzar's blindness, his folly of believing in his own sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendour is extraordinary. Daniel reminded him of the story of his father and what it meant. Ultimate power lies not with humans or man-made idols, but with God the God that had been revealed to the people of Israel, the God who was not just for the people of Israel, but for every single human being on earth. Daniel had warned Nebuchadnezzar of the perils of seeing himself greater than God. Daniel had prayed in chapter 2, Blessed be the name of God from age to age, for wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and sets up kings. For Belshazzar, as for his father before him, the trappings of power were just too tempting. Seeking to emphasise his total authority, he held a vast banquet attended by all the great and the good in his kingdom and having overindulged in wine, committed to what the Jewish people would have been absolute sacrilege. 
he demanded that the vessels that had been plundered from the temple in Jerusalem were brought out. And in a gesture that mocked the faith of the captive Jewish people, he and his guests drank from their sacred vessels. Instead of praising God, to whom the vessels were dedicated, they praised their man-made idols, their material gods. Perhaps a a modern 21st century idiom would be offering praises to today's trappings of excessive wealth that are displayed so often with ostentation that emphasises wealth and power. Vast mansions, designer jewellery, huge huge yachts and ludicrously expensive cars. Daniel was brought in to interpret the writing on the wall and he begins with some very chilling words for the king. This is what the NRSV translation says. But the God in whose power is your very breath and to whom belongs all your ways you have not honoured. We can hear those words for ourselves as well. But the God in whose power is your very breath and to whom belongs all your ways, you have not honoured. And then Daniel went on to declare to Belshazzar the meaning of the writing on the wall, your reign is over, you've been judged and found wanting and there's no continuing down your family line. Your kingdom is to be divided between your enemies. Notwithstanding his personal doom, Belshazzar accepts this condemnation and honoured his unwanted promise to Daniel. He clothed him in purple, placed a gold chain round his neck and proclaimed him the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel, God's appointed messenger, would survive the setting up and deposing of yet another king and live to face his next challenge, the famous lions in the den. Power today is spread much more widely than in biblical times with its hereditary rulers. And although we still have our monarchy, as the recent coronation so vividly reminded us, real power lies elsewhere. The corporate realms of the billionaires, such as Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos, they impact all our lives. They often tread a fine line between serving the people and serving themselves. And sadly, we still have those who wield power that unjustly destroys lives as, putting the, as Putin's vicious invasion of Ukraine with last week's appallingly breached dam so cruelly demonstrates. The story of Belshazzar's downfall reminds us that human authority and power are temporal. As Christians, we see power not in individuals, or their wealth and influence, but in the hand that wrote the the words of the writing on the wall. Power for us rests in the hand of God. God's power is hallowed, holy, unchanging. It's entirely trustworthy, and ultimately it's good. The association of kings and queens and those in power with symbols of their wealth continues today, as was very apparent at the coronation of King Charles. But thankfully, God and our church were at the heart of this very significant moment in the life of our nation. 
the power of holiness and the sacrificial nature of the Christian gospel rang out. The diamond in the diamond-encrusted crowns, the lavish robes, the priceless orb and scepter are not symbols of immense wealth and authority. They're symbols, ultimately, of service, service to God and service to the people. And the preface to the coronation service noted that various items of regalia are presented to the king, each a visible reminder of his great responsibility under God. The king's very first words at the coronation were these, in his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. Daniel 5 is a reminder of the folly of turning away from faith and trusting in our own sovereignty. It reminds us that God ultimately has the power to take away as well as to give. And we ignore God at our peril. But what of those who, like Daniel, seek to remain faithful to God? The first reading from the Coronations, from St Paul's letter to the Colossians, draws us towards an understanding of how the power of God's holiness impacts not just the lives of kings and queens, but it shapes our lives as well. Paul wrote in Colossians, We have not ceased praying for you, so that you may lead lives worthy of God as you bear fruit in every good work, as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with the strength that comes from his glorious power. The call on you and me, who aren't those who sit on thrones... We're not heads of states, and we don't wield immense influence on society. The call on us is to do the one thing that Belshazzar failed to do. It's to humble ourselves and to use the words of our next song, to build our lives on Jesus rather than some self-constructed edifice. For to humble ourselves makes space for us to be made strong through the power of God's holy love. Humility is not weakness. It gives us a different sort of strength. Daniel constantly humbled himself. Offered great riches and power by Belshazzar, he says you may keep your gifts for yourself and your rewards for someone else. He knew his power wasn't rooted in worldly authority or material wealth, but in his God-given wisdom, which had its foundation in the power of holiness, in the power of what for us today is being faithful to Jesus. With power, all forms of power, comes responsibility. If we're given power, made strong by God's holy power, then we need, like Daniel, to exercise it wisely and fearlessly. That means we judge our leaders and those with power over us, not against our own perception of what's right, not what is good for us personally. We're called to judge them and their actions through the lens of God, 
through God's perception as revealed in Jesus Christ. For his priorities become our priorities, his perceptions, our perceptions. And that's not easy. And that's why the words strength and power go together. We need strength, in the words of of the, from the Colossians coronation passage, to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father. The power of holiness is only made possible by the abundant love of God. And it follows that we only mirror the power of holiness when we mirror God's abundant love. And this is very often less than straightforward, hello, because, our, because of our human frailty and our tendency, which we all have, towards self-interest. Ultimately, it's very easy to see ourselves standing alongside Daniel condemning Belshazzar, but rarely admit it. There's a bit of Belshazzar in all of us. We like to believe our opinions are right. We struggle to appreciate that our understanding, even if we think it's honestly based on our faith in Jesus, might be wrong, or there might be an equally valid different perspective. And we like to be seen in a good light by other people. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with all this. We are human, and God loves us in all our humanity and forgives our failings, hence the confession we made earlier. But the strength we are given through the path by God through his power is not the strength of self-belief, which was Belshazzar's downfall. It's the strength needed for humility, to acknowledge we might be wrong, to love other people even if we find them really difficult, to be last when actually we quite like to be first, and to seek Jesus-shaped solutions to the challenges we face in our lives. I think it's notable that Shabalala self didn't publicly condemn the vandals in her statements. She attacked racism, exposing the vandalism for what it was, but she didn't have a go at those who did it. Instead, she responded with grace by inviting others to reflect on what had been done and then join her on the restoration, which in turn became a, a physical act of solidarity. At the beginning, we talked of the power of the physical to bring reality to life, and in a way that is more powerful than, uh, than words spoken alone. Writing that appeared on a wall at the very moment faith in God was being ridiculed. A sculpture ruined through vandalism, rooted in racism, that was restored to its original glory through compassion, through the graft and will of people living out principles of justice and equality. In a moment, we're going to follow one of Jesus' injunctions, the one he gave us at the Last Supper, to take, eat, and drink bread and wine in remembrance of him. In this simple act, we go beyond words as we renew our personal commitment to Jesus. We're taken in the timeless act of communion to the table where Jesus sits such that he may live in us and we in him. The power of holiness 
is embodied in a tiny piece of bread and the smallest sip of wine. In this act, we do the one very thing that would have halted Belshazzar's demise. We honour the God whose power is our very breath and to whom belongs all our ways. Let us pray. Gracious, powerful, loving God, give us the strength that comes from your glorious power to do your works in our world. Infuse us with the humility needed to create space in our hearts for your eternal love. And through your holy word, keep us mindful of the false gods of material wealth and earthly power and authority. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.